Section 12 of the Underground Railroad Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Underground Railroad Part 1 by William Still. Section 12. Anthony Blow, Perry Johnson. Anthony Blow, alias Henry Levison, secreted ten months before starting eight days stowed away on a steamer bound for philadelphia arrived from norfolk about the first of november eighteen fifty four ten months before starting antony had been closely concealed he belonged to the estate of mrs peters a widow who had been dead about one year before his concealment on the settlement of his old mistress's estate which was to take place one year after her death Anthony was to be transferred to Mrs. Lewis, a daughter of Mrs. Peters, the wife of James Lewis, Esquire. Anthony felt well satisfied that he was not the slave to please the tyrannical whims of his anticipated master, young Lewis, and of course he hated the idea of having to come under his yoke. And what made it still more unpleasant for Anthony was that Mr. Lewis would frequently remind him that it was his intention to sell him as soon as he got possession, the first day of january i can get fifteen hundred dollars for you easily and i will do it this contemptuous threat had caused antony's blood to boil time and again but antony had to take the matter as calmly as possible which however he was not always able to do at any rate antony concluded that his young master had counted the chickens before they were hatched indeed here antony began to be a deep thinker he thought for instance that he had already been shot three times at the instance of slaveholders the first time he was shot was for refusing a flogging when only eighteen years of age the second time he was shot in the head with squirrel shot by the sheriff who was attempting to arrest him for having resisted three young white ruffians who wished to have the pleasure of beating him but got beaten themselves and in addition to being shot this time Anthony was still further broke in by a terrible flogging from the sheriff the third time Anthony was shot he was about twenty-one years of age in this instance he was punished for his old offence he would not be whipped this time his injury from being shot was light compared with the two preceding attacks also in connection with these murderous conflicts he could not forget that he had been sold on the auction block but he had still deeper thinking to do yet he determined that his young master should never get fifteen hundred dollars for him on the first of january unless he got them while he antony was running for antony had fully made up his mind that when the last day of december ended his bondage should end also even if he should have to accept death as a substitute he then began to think of the underground railroad and of canada but who the agents were or how to find the depot was a serious puzzle to him but his time was getting so short he was convinced that whatever he did would have to be done quickly in this frame of mind he found a man who professed to know something about the underground railroad and for thirty dollars promised to aid him in the matter the thirty dollars were raised by the hardest effort and passed over to the pretended friend with the expectation that it would avail greatly in the emergency but antony found himself sold for thirty dollars as nothing was done for him however the first day of january arrived but antony was not to be found to answer to his name at roll-call he had took out very early in the morning 
daily he prayed in his place of concealment how to find the ugrr ten months passed away during which time he suffered almost death but persuaded himself to believe that even that was better than slavery with antony as it has been with thousands of others similarly situated just as everything was looking the most hopeless word came to him in his place of concealment that a friend named minkins employed on the steamship city of richmond would undertake to conceal him on the boat if he could be crowded in a certain place which was about the only spot that would be perfectly safe this was glorious news to antony but it was well for him that he was ignorant of the situation that awaited him on the boat or his heart might have failed him he was willing however to risk his life for freedom and therefore went joyfully the hiding-place was small and he was large a sitting attitude was the only way he could possibly occupy it he was contented this place was near the range directly over the boiler and of course was very warm nevertheless antony felt that he would not murmur as he knew what suffering was pretty well and especially as he took it for granted that he would be free in about a day and a half the usual time it took the steamer to make her trip at the appointed hour the steamer left norfolk for philadelphia with antony sitting flat down in his ugrr berth thoughtful and hopeful but before the steamer had made half her distance the storm was tossing the ship hither and thither fearfully headwinds blew terribly and for a number of days the elements seemed perfectly mad in addition to the extraordinary state of the weather when the storm subsided the fog took its place and held the mastery of the ship with equal despotism until the end of over seven days when finally the storm wind and fog all disappeared and on the eighth day of her boisterous passage the steamship city of richmond landed at the wharf of philadelphia with this giant and hero on board who had suffered for ten months in his concealment on land and for eight days on the ship antony was of very powerful physical proportions being six feet three inches in height quite black very intelligent and of a temperament that would not submit to slavery for some years his master colonel cunningham had hired him out in washington where he was accused of being in the schooner pearl with captain drayton's memorable seventy fugitives on board bound for canada at this time he was stoker in a machine shop and was at work on an anchor weighing ten thousand pounds in the excitement over the attempt to escape in the pearl many were arrested and the officers with irons visited antony at the machine shop to arrest him but he declined to let them put the handcuffs on him but consented to go with them if permitted to do so without being ironed the officers yielded and antony went willingly to the jail passing unnoticed other interesting conflicts in his hard life suffice it to say he left his wife anne and three children benjamin john and alfred all owned by colonel cunnigan in this brave-hearted man the committee felt a deep interest and accorded him their usual hospitalities perry johnson of elkton maryland i knocked out etc perry's exit was in november eighteen fifty three he was owned by charles johnson who lived at elkton the infliction of a severe flogging from the hand of his master awakened perry to consider the importance of the ugrr perry had the misfortune to let a load of fodder upset 
about which his master became exasperated, and in his agitated state of mind he succeeded in affixing a number of very ugly stationary marks on Perry's back. However, this was no new thing. Indeed, he had suffered at the hands of his mistress even far more keenly than from these ugly marks. He had but one eye, the other he had been deprived of by a terrible stroke with a cowhide in the hand of his mistress. This lady he pronounced to be a perfect savage, and added that she was in the habit of cowhiding any of her slaves whenever she felt like it, which was quite often. Perry was about twenty-eight years of age, and a man of promise. The committee attended to his wants, and forwarded him to the north. End of section 12